Uh, my name is Tyler, if I haven't met you before, one of the pastors here as well. Well, happy 4th of July. I'm very grateful for the many blessings uh, that God has provided. And I'm very thankful for those who have, who do, uh, serve in the military, who sacrifice their time, families, for my and my family's sake. I'm very grateful for the gift we have living here. Uh, speaking of the 4th of July, um, as some of you may know, and we've mentioned this morning, Joby and his family are in the Midwest for the first part of their vacation slash sabbatical. We'll call it vacatical. Made up that word. Uh, in the Midwest, fireworks are legal, right? So we can pray they come back with all appendages and minimal burns. We're praying for you guys. <laughs> in the Midwest, they have something called precipitation. Um, and if it's not actively raining, um, the moisture just sits in the air or your skin or your clothes. <laughs> so fire isn't much of a risk, right? Um, even fire doesn't like humidity, so. Now speaking of fire, last week, Joby reminded us that no servant is greater than his master, right? And he will be, we will be hated because Jesus was hated. Now I know that segue was a bit of a hard turn, um, however, we will be looking at what happens when light comes into darkness. And now I'm sure it wasn't just the Pharisees that disliked having their sin exposed. There are times when we all wince at the righteous words of truth, when they pierce our heart and convict us. When Amber calls me out on my sin, I'll be first to admit, I don't like it. And I don't so much as wince as I do an eye roll. Um, and apparently my nostrils flare, that's a thing that they do. And then my heart ends up on my sleeve. It leaves a mess. I've ruined many shirts. Um, but this morning we will be continuing um, in John where we once again have good news awaiting us. Jesus gives prophetic words to his disciples and us as they walk through the streets of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. He has told them that he is leaving and he provides valuable words of what is to come as they live without his physical presence. So now let me pray and ask the helper to deliver the truth to the still dark, dusty places of our hearts. Father, we praise you and thank you for the marvelous works you do that you have done and that you will do. Lord, your name is above all names. You are great, you are good, you are majestic. Lord, I pray that it is your name and only your name this morning that is lifted on high. Holy Spirit, would you even filter my words? Lord, would you use my mouth just as a vessel to proclaim your truths this morning? Lord, I pray for our hearts as we hear the truth. Lord, that we hear and receive them. Lord, thank you for this body. May we be good stewards of what you've given us. May we bless those who persecute us. May we pray for those who hate us. Lord, would you be with us as we walk through this world that we are not of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you guys want to go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to John chapter 15, uh, we'll be picking up in verse 21, and then we'll be going through the first part of 16.4. 
And if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, possibly someone will bring you one. And if you want to keep that one, please do. Take that one home with you. All right, so John 15, 21 through 16, 4. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written is in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they do these things because they do not know the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So, after they had left the upper room at the Last Supper, Jesus begins in chapter 15 by telling them they need to abide in the vine. And that vine is no other than Jesus himself. Because apart from him, the disciples, and us, we can do nothing. He also says when we obey his commandments, and we will obey his commandments if we abide and love him, because no longer does he call us servants, but friends. And last week, we got the not-so-rosy warning, right, that the world will hate us. They hated him, so if we are abiding in him and loving him and obeying his commands... We will be persecuted in some form or fashion. Now, the world hated Jesus because he claimed to have come from the Father to glorify the Father in all that he says and does, because he and the Father are one. And they hate him because they do not know him or the Father. And we saw last week Jesus' warning that we'll be hated for his sake. Because we, we are not of the world, but we're in it and we will be hated and persecuted. These are all the things that Jesus is talking about in verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So we are not of this world, but we're in the world, right? Whereas the world is of the world and in it. And then it's an interesting thing to think that Christians, that we think the fruits of the Spirit can be harvested from the world. Or to think that the world would behave more in a godly manner. It would look different. I too get surprised sometimes by the arrogant and blatant sin of the world. But I shouldn't. They don't know the Father or the one he sent. The world is in rebellion against God. 
And these verses from chapter 15 resemble what we saw in chapter 3 of John. Right in John 3, 16 through 20. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. See, the world wants to protect their item, idols and kingdoms. So getting rid of Jesus gets rid of their guilt. Because it said, if Jesus would not have come into this world speaking light and truth, they would not recognize or know their sin. But now that he's here, the darkness is exposed, and they want to turn the lights back off. They're like, where's that switch? As we saw in verse 22, if I had not come to spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. And we're going to be getting back to this text and a little bit more into this later this morning. So Jesus and his disciples, we assume, are walking through the dark streets of Jerusalem. And they are being told they will be hated for following him. And we too, followers of Christ, will be hated by the world as well. The disciples and us will face opposition as we proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. The disciples will and did bear witness to the testimony of Jesus that he was born of Mary, lived a sinless life, taught the very words of God. He was betrayed. He was tried and found innocent, yet was crucified at the hands of his own for the sins of those the Father gave him. Right? This is the message they proclaimed. But before they went out into the world with this message, they needed the helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, would bear witness to the disciples thus enabling them to go throughout the, all the nations, teaching all that Jesus commanded. Jesus says in verse 26, The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now, not only does the Holy Spirit advocate for us, but he also advocates for the Son of Man. He tells them that he, the Spirit, will bear witness about him. And although Jesus had been spoken of and showed many times in the Old Testament, and even in his physical presence, Emmanuel, God with us, those things were not bearing witness in the same way that the Spirit does, could, and would do. Even the disciples would need the Holy Spirit to fully reveal and bring to mind all that Jesus had spoken before they could fully bear witness about him. As we saw back in chapter 14 of John, but the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, something that blew my mind, and there's more mind-blowing stuff this morning, and I use that phrase as often as I say, oh, this is my favorite verse. But how was Jesus conceived? How did he get to earth? And I want to look at Matthew 1.18 real quick to kind of remember what happened. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Say what? The word of God was even carried to Mary's womb by the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of the Spirit. He does not need to be born again. And now there are some obvious differences between our time in the womb and Christ's, right? Jesus is. He did not come into existence, but took the form of a human, right? We see this in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Had this among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then there's another distinct difference between us and Jesus. Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> that Jesus was not brought to this world in iniquity, in sin, because he's God and was never without the helper. We, however, were, as we see David proclaiming in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. This is not applicable to Jesus. He was brought forth in perfect holiness by the Holy Spirit. Now that same Spirit that has always dwelt with Jesus will now be our helper. He will now inhabit our hearts. For those who have been born again, we are the earthen vessels being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God was carried to Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, and now the word of God is carried to our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, not only will he bear witness, as Jesus says in verse 26, but when the helper comes whom I must send, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. But he will also speak to our flesh. He will purify our hearts through the amazing gift of sanctification as he bears witness to the dark places of our hearts. Yes, sanctification, being, more, being made more like Jesus, it is a gift. Is sanctification pleasant? Is becoming more like Jesus easy? No, not always. There are times that conviction is sweet, like a deep tissue massage, good pain. But other times it is the sword of the spirit that pierces our hearts and discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It's an ever-consuming fire that purifies us as gold. Right in Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And then in 1 Peter 1.6, In this rejoice. Now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved with various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation 
of Jesus Christ. We'll be getting much deeper into this next week, even as we look specifically and only the work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit bears witness, right? Meaning he testifies to Jesus' lordship over all creation. He always seeks to make the Son of God and the Father known. That's what he does. And the definition of bearing witness is to show that something exists or is true, right? It's only by him bearing witness to our hearts that we have come to the knowledge of grace of our Lord and Savior, and only by him will be formed into our Savior's image. We, as the church, his bride, we now testify to the world of his reigning lordship, his kingdom. We do this by the way we love one another and by loving our enemies. Now as we move into chapter 16, we see Jesus telling them why he did all these things, why he has said all these things. He says, to keep you from falling away. Jesus is not sending his disciples out without the tools and weapons they need. He is telling them these things for what is to come. He wants their faith to be built up when these things take place and not to fall away because they're faced or surprised by opposition. Now, when I, uh, when I ask my kids to help me with something that they've never done, I tell them things they'll need to know. For example, some examples, my kids started helping me chop firewood for the winter. I told them some proper modified techniques uh, because they're children, and children swinging an ax rivals that with playing with fire. But I told them, first thing first, right, you need boots and pants, right? And I told them because if you don't hit it correctly, right, the ax can glance off the wood and hit you in the leg. It's happened to me. <laughs> but I tell them you need to stay centered, keep your arms in the center of your body, and I tell them not to lift their ax over their head because that too is ludicrous because <laughs> they're a child that's uh, sketchy at best to have a child lifting an ax over their head. So this is how I taught them, right? Keep it center of your body, don't lift it too high, strike solid, right? I also taught my girls how to get to the bottom of the pool intentionally. <laughs> okay, so you gotta, I tell them, okay, you gotta blow all the air out slowly. Now you're gonna wanna take a breath, but you can't do that, right? You got to wait until you come back up, until you can take a breath. Now in a similar way, Jesus' disciples have never been without him. They are about to do something they have never, never done. Ministry without the word of God in human form by their side. Now in my examples, my instruction is how to not make things worse, right? To prevent worse circumstances, a trip to the ER. Um, yeah, both trip to ERs on those examples. <laughs> but Jesus gives his instruction because it will not be safe. Following Jesus in this world is not safe. It is not a wide and easy path. It's narrow, treacherous, and slow. 
Jesus tells them all these things so that they're not surprised. He tells them the helper will bring to mind the very words he has spoken. Now, we have been born in a time of great blessing, right? However, we do, we do know, as we saw last week, we will be hated. Now, that doesn't mean by everyone or a great numerous amounts of people, but the gospel will be a stumbling block. And I pray that is the only stumbling block. And I hope for myself and my church that it, we are not putting anything other than Jesus of God's salvation in the way of what he wants to speak. Now, as I say these things, there may have been some people that come to mind that you might think might hate you. But as we see in what Jesus said in verse 2 of 16, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. These people whoever they are, will think they are actually offering service to God. How can we be hated for speaking the truth of salvation, the message of reconciliation, and then be persecuted by those who say, do the things in the name of God? Well, Jesus said, they do these things because they have not known the Father. A commentator writes, they will persecute you as an act of worship to their false god. They are misguided, but sincere. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Scary words. But self-righteousness, it's dangerous. It's blinding. It's deceiving. It killed our Savior, the Son of God. They didn't need him. Now, even... As I say these things, there is great comfort in knowing that these things were already spoken of. Isaiah 53, 8 through 12. By oppression and judgment, he is taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous." and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, as was numbered all the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and makes the intercession for the transgressors. 
Now the Pharisees did not recognize this Messiah. They wanted a ruler like King Saul, not Paul Saul. They wanted a man of strong stature. They wanted a man who would take a stand against the Roman Empire. But as we saw in Isaiah 53, this is not what they got. Now Jesus is telling his disciples, so when these things happen, they will remember his words. They will remember his actions. They'll remember his presence. And although physically gone, the Holy Spirit will bring the word of God to their hearts and their minds. In Luke 12, 11 through 12, and when they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about what you should defend yourself with or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you that very hour what you ought to say. And also Matthew 28. And when Jesus came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. He has given us all that we need for godliness. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now there's another, here's the other mind-blowing story that I read. Paul, formerly Saul, wrote those words to Timothy and many others. Paul was among those who would see Christians be put out of the synagogues. He himself was protecting a self-righteousness that came by the law. Now I want to look at a part of Stephen's testimony in Acts, which includes Saul, as we see the very things Jesus spoke of take place in the early church. Now Stephen was being seized by some of the religious leaders, right, of a certain synagogue. And he was questioned about the signs and wonders that he spoke of concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And the priest hears all these accusations coming against him and turns to Stephen and asks, are these things so? Now, I'm not going to cover the whole section. You guys can do that. It's a great story. But Stephen then proceeds and gives a convicting message of God's sovereign will taking place through the prophets and the work of Jesus. And we're going to pick up here in Acts 7:51 through 53. Stephen says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. And in 54, now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. 
But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing right at the hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And as he said this, he fell asleep. In the very next verse, Saul approved of this action. And he won. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. I imagine Saul thought he was fighting for the sake of righteousness. I imagine him having difficulty understanding these Christ followers would go to such great lengths for a blasphemer. He thought it would quiet the truth that would soon set him free. When Jesus said back in verse 21 and 15, all these things they do to you on account of my name because they do not know who sent me. And we see Stephen be seized. And that was shortly after Peter and the apostles were beaten and released. Jesus' words have once again become reality. I say once again because when Jesus says something, it's going to happen. Jesus told his disciples they will be hated. He told them they will be persecuted. He told them to be put out of the synagogues. And they will do this because they have hated him and they do not know the Father. And now they are without excuse for their sin. (laughs) Heavy stuff. So you may have not seen it or heard it yet this morning, though it's there. I want to make clear the grace of God. So we've heard a lot about how the world will hate us, that we'll be persecuted, and we will be as exiles. However, all these things will be because we are his. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. We hear his voice because he has chosen us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us because the blood of the cross brought us into the family of God. We were the world. We were the rebellious. We were without a shepherd. We were sons of disobedience. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you have been saved. I even love the verse that um, Audrey shared this morning right out of the same scripture and passage in Ephesians 2.8. But the same Jesus that said they will put you out of the synagogues is the same Jesus that said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. He has given us the armor of God. In Ephesians 6.13, therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness 
And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. He said to bless those who persecute you. Jesus said to love your enemies. He said to forgive one another. And he said, and I love you and you love one another as I have loved you. Now we cannot do any of those things on our own, church. The peace of Christ cannot rule in our hearts without the helper casting our self-made crowns that we hold dearly into the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. The sword of the Spirit cuts off anything that entangles us as we run this race of faith. He will bear witness to the Lordship of our Savior and testify to our fickle hearts that he is faithful, though we are not. He is strong, though we are not. And despite the narrow, treacherous, and slow path, the helper keeps our eyes fixed on the light as we bear witness to the light in and through our lives. Next week, as I mentioned before, we will be spending all our time and better knowing the helper who seeks to make known the incredible riches that we now have in the Father because of the Son. Now let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you that you are with us. Holy Spirit, that you have come to inhabit our hearts. Lord, as we walk through this world, as we walk in light amongst the darkness, Lord, that we would bear witness to you. They would be faithful servants and ambassadors of reconciliation that we would bring the gospel of peace to those around us. Lord, would you help us in this? Holy Spirit, would you give us the words to speak? Lord, even as we go out today, spend time with family and friends, Lord, give us the mind and the thoughts and actions to seek your will in all circumstances. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your long-suffering, and your grace you show towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.